Once upon a time, there were tens of thousands of makers struggling. Every day they built for hours and hours but didn't ship and didn't earn enough income. One day, the No Code Wealth podcast came to help them find a way. Because of this, makers became founders and they lived the lives they deserve. Because of this, founders live lives of abundance, freedom, and creativity. That's what I'm really all about. Hello, my name is Aziz, and from being a poor boy born to a single mother in North Africa, to failing multiple startups, yet learning a whole lot, to barely escaping alive the war in Ukraine, even living as an illegal immigrant, I've lost everything twice. And now I'm rebuilding my life one more time, 1% a day. <coughs> sharing the wisdom of luminaries I've interviewed on this podcast from Google executives to Amazon, Microsoft, Tesla, Harvard, Financial Times, and even a priest from the Vatican Church. All are welcome here. So let's begin. My guest today is Taras Baker. Taras is the founder and chief engineer at Erized, a no-code software development studio specialized in developing custom web apps on Bubble. Hello, Taras. How are you today? Hey, mate. I'm all good. How are you? I will begin with a question that will sound weird to the listeners, but it's not to you and me. Go on. How did Harry Potter influence the way you approach no-code development or business in general? <laughs> you know, I, I've been like a huge fan of Harry Potter since the very young age. I remember um, my mom was... Um, reading me the first book and I was very, very much captivated by it. Um, and so um, as I was um, kind of transitioning between my software startup and uh, what I'm doing today, um, I was also rereading Harry Potter and um, I thought it's such a um, brilliant book about kind of the, the fight of the good and evil, but also sticking to your ideals and um, doing what's right. And so um, I wanted to kind of tie in the, um, the Harry Potter reference um, into, into what I do. And so um, I decided to name um, my, my agency Erised, which uh, if you're a Harry Potter fan, um, will know that um, there is a mirror in, uh, <laughs> in Harry Potter and um, Harry goes to see him uh, and the mirror shows kind of your... Um, most desired um, um, things from from the bottom of your heart, and um, I thought that um, you know what um, this is a brilliant, brilliant name. Um, you know, it, uh, we we will help people develop the apps that they really want to to see, and uh, also will stick to our ideals and to our values and do do what's right. So um, um, that's that's the name, and uh, I guess that's kind of two unrelated things. How they tie in together, if you will. Well, I love that you stick to your ideals, and I love that reference. Yet I have to ask because I remember maybe half a year ago or so, I created a poll on Twitter for no coders to ask them for the reason why. They're in the no-code community and space. Is it uh, because they have a vision for a better future? They have an idea they need to express? 
or purely for the money and more than 50% said they're purely there for the money. So do you tend to attract people who really have such ideals and you're expressing their inner vision into the outer world? Or do you come across enough of the people who are there just purely to make a quick buck or to make an income and they couldn't care less how or which uh, app will get them there as long as they get there? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think you, you kind of see both sides of it. So um, there are um, services and uh, kind of companies and agencies that uh, definitely want to make the like a quick buck on it. And um, uh, they're not super honest about um, how much time they spend working on things or how long certain things will take. Um, for example, a lot of the customers um, that we've, uh, we've encountered, um, they don't necessarily know much about um, software development and how it works. And so um, we've seen them come to us with apps where they would say, you know, uh, our developer spent uh, three months building this and we look at it and it's, and it's like one repeating group from Bubble and, you know, a couple of pages and you, you just think, how how did they manage to <laughs> to do that for, for this long? And, um, and so we try to help those people uh, rebuild the software or in some cases, kind of like the, the software is so bad, we have to start, start from scratch. Um, and then there is the no-code Twitter, uh, which is um, awesome. I, I love the community there. Um, a lot of the people I've met there are super helpful and um, everyone wants to engage with each other. Everyone wants to somehow spread the word about, I mean, I'm in specifically in the bubble space, so uh, everyone wants to spread the word about bubble and um, um, help others um, with it. So um, it's it's totally awesome. I really love it. Um, it's uh, one of the best communities on the internet that I've happened happened to join. So um, yeah, and um, to kind of answer, I guess the second part of your question about sticking to the ideals. Um, you know, it's um, I find that with agencies and with software development in general, um, people. Um, People are not obviously software developers who come to you. Your clients are not software developers, so it's um, you really have to keep yourself in check when it comes to you know quoting the amount of time that you will spend on a task because you know ultimately um, there are situations where you could say you know this task is going to take ten hours when in reality you know it's going to take one hour. So there is this ethical component of it, and um, in addition to that, I feel there is also the the moral component when it comes to saying what do you actually want to develop to your customer in the sense that if they are developing a I don't know a streaming service or whatever and um, the, 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 the unique selling point of the streaming service is streaming and um, they want to add um, you know a news feed to it to tell people what are the latest updates uh, when it comes to their software it's like, do you really need that? Um, do you really need the newsfeed when the thing you're trying to make for the people is is a streaming service? So there comes that moment as well when you are doing a project scope with the customers and you really have to politely <laughs> ask them and challenge them uh, about what is it that they actually want. 
um, because they might have tons of ideas, but ultimately what is the fastest way to revenue or to the results from, uh, from that perspective? I love what you're saying and your penultimate point really is something very important, especially within the no-code community or the customers. And specifically, I will ask you, let's say me, I'm someone who doesn't know a lot about software development. I want to choose an agency or someone who's good at Bubble or any of the no-code platforms to create something for me. How will I know they're the right person? <laughs> because mm -hmm. if you don't know, you can get duped very easily. How would I know how long it will take, whether they're quoting me a fair amount or unreasonable? Like, what should I look out for? What are the red flags, the green flags, and all that? Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's, a, that's a really good question. Um, I think when I interviewed developers for, for my agency, uh, the best ones that... Um, so our hiring process is kind of, um, is kind of weird because we don't really post... Um, job adverts uh, what we do instead is we go on um, telegram groups or on slack groups or whatever and we try to find uh, people who are very active in them and who answer tons of questions and then we reach out saying um, do you want a job by the way um, in addition to that there are no code academies as well where people are uh, teaching um, those who want to be to be, to be developers, and sometimes it helps out to reach to the teachers or to kind of the uh, top of the class students to to hire them as developers. So, what differentiates those really great guys from um, uh, the rest of um, kind of the rest of the crowd? I feel that the number one thing, and it's ultimately, um, I, I guess, I guess it could be related to the culture of the company, but um, they really, really want to help. And then when you ask them, when you interview them, they are very happy to say, do you want me to share my screen and just show you how this works? Um, so um, a lot of the people that um, we found that were not that good, they were very secretive about their project uh, projects. And there are projects where if you signed an NDA you can't talk about it, that's fair enough but it's an NDA is not um, necessarily uh, a thing that's um, kind of keeping you from showing your project you can still show some bits of it I for example have a sandbox app um, where I just experiment with things or um, some projects just don't have an NDA so they're happy to go in it and, um, and show us around so Kind of that openness and that, um, um, I, I guess, engagement with um, with wanting to help others is is a really good sign, I think. And then, um, um, obviously, if uh, if they show you a project and it looks and works great, um, that's that's awesome. Um, I think as well, and this is what um, we try to do as well. There are bits of the project where you know the the client hasn't necessarily thought about this. Um, from the user experience perspective. Um, for example, um, you know, if you have a list of surveys and um, um, you, know, you delete all the surveys, there are no more surveys there, there is no screen to say no more surveys. Um, you know, you, 
obviously they will probably want this type of screen so why don't you just add it it's gonna take you know another five ten minutes or whatever but it will make the user experience so much smoother and when you demo it to the client they will be like whoa do you, like this is this is what i wanted um so it's kind of trying to anticipate forward as well what what they want so yeah so if I understood you correctly, it's people with an abundance mentality rather than scarcity who are open to share rather than trying to hide and be secretive, like you mentioned. It's people who care and have empathy and put themselves in the shoes of the clients, the users, and who have pride in doing a good job and showing like you can test some of their work and find that it's well done. Is this correct? Yeah, yeah. I feel like those are people who genuinely enjoy what they're doing. Um, they uh, they wouldn't mind working weekends. Not, not that we ask them to work weekends. <laughs> like, you know, our people can work at whichever time they want. But um, they normally will say, you know what, I have a spare minute or whatever, I will do something on the weekend or, um, you know, experiment with something um, in between projects. So, And I know you focus on Bubble. Why Bubble compared to any of the alternatives that are on the market today and popping up almost every week where you can find new competitors and new ways you can create web apps and other things? What interested you? In using Bubble, what attracted you to it? What are the strengths and the weaknesses of experiencing development using Bubble? Yeah, so um, it's, it goes back a couple of years uh, where I was um, working on my um, second business. Um, so my, my first business, I used to sell T-shirts online um, in the cryptocurrency space, just like a Bitcoin T-shirt or whatever. Um, and um, my second business, so I sold the t-shirt uh, business and decided that I've had uh, enough experience, uh, this is sarcastic by the way, to, um, to, to launch a software company. Um, so um, graduate university, um, we raise our pre-seed round um, and uh, we start building. At this point, I have um, some experience with JavaScript. I had an internship uh, doing some JavaScript development and um, some PHP development as well. And um, um, we spent a lot of time building um, and um, uh, getting to you know, a certain number of customers. I think we had like 500 or something at the time. Um, and to give an idea, we were focused on kind of B2B SaaS in a, uh, in a law space. And, um, um, we realized that, um, or rather I realized that we're running out of money, uh, there is not much revenue coming in, and, um, you know, our runway is slowly shrinking and, um, you know, it's becoming kind of six, five, four months, and it's kind of like a countdown, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, Jesus, how are we going to get out of this? So um, uh, we decided to build more features as you do, uh, not do more marketing, but build more features, and um, um, as we start building these features, we start estimating how long things will take. And um, because the whole stack is on PHP um, and on JavaScript, we realize it's going to take, you know, three or four weeks. Um, and um, it's going to be an absolute nightmare to develop and redevelop things that we already have. So start looking for alternatives and bubble comes up. One of my friends, um, Ash, um, 
from modern Atlantis. Um, he uh, suggested it, and um, I started playing around with it. And um, initially, I kind of dismissed it as something that's not super interesting. But then uh, the thing that kind of tipped my scales were was the payments. How easy it is to integrate payments. So um, um, a decision is made to rebuild the whole thing in Bubble, and um, as we start. As I start rebuilding it in, in Bubble, um, I start socializing on forums and uh, kind of um, asking questions in Slack groups. And then uh, as time goes by, I start answering questions myself because I know how to solve certain issues. Um, and um, a few people start reaching out in DMs saying, can you help us with this or that? And um, uh, I'm, I'm saying, yeah, sure, that's, that's no issue. Um, and then um, um, we get a message saying, um, uh, this uh, this guy was looking for like a consulting call, and um, he was like, "Do you want to help me? Uh, do you want to jump on the consulting call? I'll pay you." And this was like the first bubble gig that I did, uh, just a consulting call with this guy. And um, um, after the call, um, I show him how to do things, and he's like, "You know what? It's still software development at the end of the day. So how about you just build the whole thing? Um, I'll pay you." I was like, you know what, I have time, sure, no issue. Um, so I started building my first project in Bubble. It was a job board. <laughs> and um, afterwards, um, a similar situation happened. Somebody reaches out saying, can you build this? And I'm like, you know what, sure, no issue. So um, um, long story short, a few projects kind of come in and I realized that the revenue from me building things on Bubble um, eclipses the revenue from the software startup that I um, that I was doing. So um, I, uh, at the time, I didn't really want to accept the fact that you know the software start startup is dead. So I uh, declared that I'll put it on pause. Um, but in reality, it failed at, at that particular moment, and um, I decided to focus on bubble development. So a few months go by, like two or three months, I'm doing bubble development and. At that point, I decided to fully um, focus on on that and not do anything related to the software startup that I was doing previously. So, to to give a short answer to your question, um, it kind of just happened that somebody suggested Bubble, and um, having played around with Zapier, Airtable, Webflow, other things, um, it blew me away by how powerful it is and also um, how easy it is to, to integrate payments. That's, that, that's the thing that made my, well, that, that blew my mind and I was like, I, yeah, I have to do this. Thank you. I mean, I love that story and also parts of it is good luck happening and so many unexpected things. Throughout your life journey, did you notice that there is luck being a factor in shaping the trajectory of your life or maybe a Harry Potter reference will be relevant here? Or is it you at every fork of the road deciding what to do next and that mythical kind of figure that knows what will happen and already decided and followed the plan to the T to get there? Or how is your experience with life like that? Um, that's a very philosophical question because there is only, I can only assess what happened in the sense that I can't go back and remake the decision to see whether it was actually luck that influenced the, the outcome. 
but um, um, I would say that from the experience so far, I can attribute a lot of it to luck. So um, when I was 11, um, my parents uh, sent me to um, a school in Scotland, and um, I'm originally from Ukraine, and so I've spent the past, uh, was it um, 13 years um, in the UK, something like that, um, and um, um, I, I, you know, getting the, the education here, um, that's just just super lucky that I was born in, 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 in that situation. Um, in terms of business, um, you know, people reaching out, um, super lucky as well, um, getting those first few customers because I didn't really think that um, I would do bubble development as a, as a thing. And um, um, it's just kind of lucky that, um, that people reached out. Um, the other thing is, um, for example, with investment uh, that we raised for the software startup, um, that's luck as well because the guy literally reached out to us on LinkedIn saying, um, "Do you are you looking for investment? I've heard things <laughs> about you guys and what you're trying to build. Um, so that's luck as well. Um, I think a lot of it is luck, but then also there are situations where you can put yourself in a position which could potentially lead to luck in the future, if, if you know what I mean. Um, so, um, you know, you could... A, a great example of this is that we got um, a project from Twitter recently, um, and um, the reason is, again, it's just pure luck that the person saw us and reached out, but um, by tweeting a lot and um, just, you know, kind of telling people about no code, um, there you put in yourself in a position where you could be lucky um, and somebody could reach out to you um, so it ultimately it's hard to tell um, because it's it's chance but um, I think I think a lot of it is is dependent on luck yes thank you and since we're dealing with something more metaphysical how do you view the future of the no code movement or community or tools and use in like not just one year but maybe two to five years from now or even 10 years how do you see things shifting what will happen that you believe will grow and will become more dominant in the marketplace what is missing will ai play a role i don't know yeah. but you use it what do you think will be the next moves and the next trends coming yeah, um, that's interesting because at the moment um, I'm super bullish on on no code, um, and um, the reason is is because is because of uh, two things. Number one, it's faster and cheaper for the customers. It's it's just that if you are to develop anything that you want, it's faster and cheaper. That's that I think that, that that's a uh, that's a very simple equation for the customer to make. And so we, I, I personally want to be in that space where I can get things out um, into public and test them out quickly and, um, and, see, and see how they go and how they perform. And then um, in terms of the, the direction where it's all moving, I think um, more integrations, more plugins, um, more things to play with, that it's an obvious answer. But um, I would say that there are 
the not so obvious answer is processes um, in the sense that how do you do um, quality assurance on things? How do you project manage um, certain things? Because no code is fast and um, sometimes it takes longer to document a feature than to build it. So how do you solve that? Because ultimately you still need documentation for things. But um, and documentation is super useful if a new developer joins the team and they need to understand how the project works, or if uh, the client wants to take development in house, or you know for so many different reasons. So how do you resolve that where the you know the writing of the feature takes longer than the development of the feature? And then um, I have mentioned QA as well, uh, quality assurance. So. Um, at the moment, nobody really knows how to test uh, things built on Bubble. Um, on one side, it's the same thing. It's, you know, you test it in the same way as you test a normal web app. Um, on the other hand, um, um, you know, how do you test security and how do you test um, those type of things? Um, so I don't have the answers, but I think um, as more and more serious apps get developed on Bubble, um, that's the direction where it's going to go in the next two to five years. And um, just to kind of briefly shove in the comment, comment about the, the, the serious apps on Bubble, um, I've seen so many um, web apps that are kind of medium in size. They would have, you know, a couple hundred, maybe a couple thousand users. Um, at the same time, we worked with uh, a few apps. Uh, one of them has 19 and a half, I think, million workflows a month. And um, the company, um, I'm not allowed to say what the actual company is, but uh, you can probably find it. Um, they have recently raised $100 million. Um, their stack is, is Bubble, and um, it's their Series C funded round. So um, it's, um, it's huge, um, and uh, I'm quite excited about where, where that's going to go. So definitely more serious apps and definitely kind of the focus on on, on the processes around around how to develop things with, with no code. Thank you. I love all the thought you have given to every step of the process. And I'm sure you're one of those people that if you have a few minutes on the weekend or even not, you're probably engrossed into your projects and progressing on them and perfecting them. And if people want to get in touch with you to learn more about you, what are the best places for them to go what's your most used social media is it twitter like you mentioned and i'll make sure to write a few in the description as well yeah um thank you so much for the plug um yeah i'm mostly on uh, on twitter um at uh, official taras um you know too many fakes uh, i'm just joking there are like i have like 300 followers but <laughs> you know um uh, just just a funny username and then um, um, our main website is um, eriset.io. Um, it's um, desire spelled backwards, um, so like like in the mirror. So yeah. 